Are you ready to bring your real estate game to the next level? My name is James Prendamano. I'm the CEO and founder of Pre-Real. And over the past 25 years, I've closed over a billion dollars in transactional real estate. Each week, I'm meeting with outstanding investors, high-performing individuals, and visionaries operating in the real estate space. These are the people that are actually out there in the real estate game right now getting it done. This podcast aims at bringing anyone's game to the next level. This is the Pre-Real Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Pre-Real Podcast. We're joined today by Rich Summers. Uh, Rich is the founder and CEO of Fortune Cribs, and he has a built a portfolio um, that's so damn impressive, in excess of $35 million. He's uh, got an awful lot to offer. We're really excited to have him on the show. Rich, thank you so much for taking time out of the busy schedule for us today. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm a big fan and I'm excited to uh, dig into this conversation today. It's, a, it's an honor to be here. No, thank you very much. So, uh, Rich, people don't wake up with $35 million investment portfolios, right? And I, I know that you at one point took a hell of a leap to, to get into the game. I was wondering if we could talk a little bit about uh, your life before then. Talk a little bit about the why. What was happening and how did we get to making the leap, if you will? Yeah, of course. So I, I grew up middle class. Um, my mom is an immigrant from Taiwan. And uh, my parents both know the value of uh, working hard for your money and, and, and saving your money. I have a background in sales. As I was going to college, I started selling cell phones and then later got into car sales. And that was the first time I realized that I could control to a certain extent of how much I earned. And I wanted to sell commercial real estate at a college. Um, and so I interviewed with CB Richard Ellis and Grubb and Ellis, a couple of commercial firms back in 2008 when I graduated. And uh, as your listeners know, the, the economy was starting to come down at that time. And they pulled both of those internship positions. And they said, hey, we love your, your hustle, but this is not the right time to get into the, uh, the industry. So I found myself um, end of 2008 working on a car lot, trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life. And I backed into a job as an air traffic controller. Um, controlling airplanes. And I ended up doing it for 11 years. And along the way, I remembered real estate and I re read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I said, man, I got to restructure my life and, um, and, and get into this real estate game. But this time I'm going to do it on the investment side and not on the sales side. And so I did at the time what everyone, um, you know, says society says it's a little bit too risky and you shouldn't be cashing out your 401k, but I cashed out my 401k. I pulled out a home equity line of credit against my primary residence here in San Diego, where I live. And I started buying some cash producing real estate. The first deal I did was 11 units in Cincinnati, a C-class um, deal. Shortly after that, I partnered with a couple guys that I worked with uh, controlling airplanes. And those are still my partners today in, in, in one of the businesses. And uh, we JV'd and joint ventured on a 32 unit building in Indianapolis. Um, shortly after that, we launched a podcast. We learned how to raise money started a networking event here in San Diego and uh, took down a couple larger syndications last year, 150 units in uh, Greensboro and then Timber Creek Apartments, which is 145 units also in Greensboro, North Carolina, bought some short-term rentals along the way. And um, yeah, excited. This year, I uh, just recently, a couple months ago, launched a new company called Fortune Cribs, which uh, is a company to where we help clients buy short-term rentals and 
select markets around the country, which we feel will do good under our management, will help uh, our team will design, furnish, and manage all the day-to-day, making the the whole process hands off to the client, but they'll own 100% of the deal. And uh, my partners and I are launching a fund here in a couple months to go buy uh, more short-term rentals uh, with our investors. So that's kind of my story in a nutshell. Uh, remarkable. So I, I listened to the multifamily takeoff. That's that's Rich's podcast. Uh, he has two partners there. Definitely a, a great listen. And and now I understand the connection because mm-hmm. I believe your uh, two partners just retired now, right? They just left the, yeah. the air traffic control. Yeah, now I got they, it. They just left um, recently. I think they, they both just had their last and final shifts uh, about two weeks ago, and I couldn't be more excited for them. They're amazing guys. That, that's great. So is there a, a place in the program, uh, Rich, if I have uh, a vacation home that is, is in, a, in a location that your company services, uh, is there an opportunity for us to, to contact your team and say, hey, I, I have this house on Lake Wall and Paw Pack and, uh, you know, we, we never get up there, you know, I'm always working, the usual story. Is there an opportunity for you to take existing assets or is it only assets that go through the acquisition process with you? We will uh, 100% take on an existing asset if the deal makes sense for us. So for us, we really want to stick to new construction or fully renovated properties. Um, and that doesn't mean it needs to be a high price point, but it could be a lower price point, but we just want to put out a good quality product out there in the marketplace. And we always strive to be in the top 90th percentile of all short-term rental listings in whatever given market we go into. So to answer your question, yes, we'll look at existing properties for clients. If the deal makes sense, we'll totally manage it for them. And then also another arm of the business is the master lease. So if we have a exist a client with an existing property and they don't want to invest in designing and furnishing, we can actually do a long-term lease. We can do a two to three-year lease agreement We'll actually pay them, you know, 10 to 15% above market rate. We'll invest in their uh, their property in terms of the design and furnish in exchange for the right to uh, sublease it as a short-term rental. Wow. Um, so in the program is, or do you find these things to typically be seasonal? Are you never going to go and, and use the house as the owner? Uh, or are there blockout periods or how does that work? Yeah, our owners can uh, use the their properties whenever they want. Um, they, all they have to do is just let, let us know what dates they want to block out. We'll block out the schedule for them. They can go visit the property at any time, which is kind of cool because not only do you get to vacation at your own place, but also if you ever want to get eyes on your property, it's easy to do so versus having a long term in there. But what we're telling clients and what our clients are discovering now is the cash flow is so good that the opportunity cost of booking your own place is more expensive than what they're willing to give up. You're better off just taking the cash flow and using that money to go vacation wherever you want. <laughs> so what does occupancy look like? What, what can we expect? How, how often are you filling, filling these, these units up? Yeah, so um, we we make our money when we operate. Um, there's a lot of third-party management companies out there, but I don't think there's anyone doing it exactly to how we're doing it. Um, but market occupancy can fluctuate anywhere from 45 to 60 percent, depending on market. But we're, we always strive to operate at 90% or greater. And, and that's really what we do with all of our assets. We manage these properties 
as if they're our own. Um, my short-term rentals that I own um, are actually also managed by Fortune Cribs. And so we've implemented a lot of the same strategies to keep the, the occupancy 90% and up for all of our units. So once you've completed the staging and, and everything is ready to roll, mm -hmm. um, do I have to then get involved with collecting money from people and security or does it go through you and you pay out the distribution? How does that, that all work? Yeah, so we handle everything. So we handle all the reservations, the cleaning, the management, the turns, all the guest communications. Uh, we can even handle the utilities on behalf of our owners. All the revenue comes into our account and then we pay all the expenses out of our account. And then at the end of each month, we send our owners a, um, a statement which will have like a profit and loss for the month. And then it will also, they'll also receive a uh, ACH payment. So I don't even have to be involved in the, the collection security. No, none of that you stuff. don't have to do anything. It's all taken care of, man. The A to Z. Wow. Um, okay. So, and I'm sorry for all the questions, but as I'm thinking about this, like I, right now I have a small exchange. We have, I don't know, 450 or 500 uh, in an exchange and, you know, being in the business, it, it's, it's funny. It, it, you find and source deals for clients all day long, but when it's, when it's yours, it seems like mm -hmm. you never have the, the time to, to find the right spot. So I right. would be able to come to you with this exchange. You guys would place the money. Uh, we grip it and rip it. What are, what are some of the, the, the shortcomings? Do you find that there's issues with the parties with damage in the house? What are some of the, the cons to, to the operation? Yeah, so you can eliminate about 99% of bad guests by qualifying and only hosting the right guests. So a lot of this stuff is eliminated on the front end. So we tend to only host guests that have positive reviews from other hosts. Um, we tend to get, uh, host guests that um, have positive track records. If there's anything fishy, like let's say like a, a good red flag is this. So if someone has no reviews and they're trying to book a short-term rental, on a weekend and they're, they also live in the same market where the short-term rental is, that's a, that's a big red flag. Right. Um, and so we eliminate a lot of that stuff on the front end. That said, there's always going to be some things that are missed. Um, and so let's say in the event that there is, um, a noise issue, we install noise sensors inside and outside of all of our properties. And we actually have a, um, a decibel level that we set for each one. So if the noise ever goes above a certain decibel level, the guest automatically gets a message. Um, and then in terms of like, if there's ever a damage or like missing item, uh, this rarely, rarely happens. I would say it happens like less than 1% of the time. Um, it's usually something that we can um, come to an agreement with the guests. They'll just pay us for it. And it's just completely taken care of at that level. If not, we can escalate it with Airbnb. Um, they have a program to where they'll actually uh, take care of you up to X amount. And then if it's not taken care of at that point, then we can, your insurance, a short-term rental insurance would kick in. And then after that, you would have liability insurance if you have an umbrella and that sort of thing. But we've never, it's rarely gone to Airbnb. And then it's, we've never had to escalate it past that point. It's a hell of a program here. You know, you, you make this transition and, and in the multifamily space, you're enjoying uh, significant success. Uh, Rich, what, what's the reason for making this 
uh, taking this step and launching another company? What's the why for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it all goes back to what we mentioned earlier. Um, it, it's been very challenging to find multifamily deals to pencil. And um, like I mentioned earlier, along the way, uh, I backed into some short-term rentals and I'm like, man, even through the pandemic, I'm looking at these properties and they're just completely booked. And these things are cash flowing like crazy. And so I'm like, man, why are we forcing multifamily right now? We'll go back to it down the road when, when the opportunity might be better. But for right now, I'm like, why aren't we scaling the short-term rental side of the portfolio? And so with that, we're like, man, let's launch a fund this year and let's go buy some more short-term rentals with our investors. And I, it got me thinking, I'm like, man, there's not a turnkey service that actually does acquisition, design, and management in the short-term rental space. And I thought, there's got to be a huge demand for it. Let's put some feelers out there and see. We did that. And the the demand has been tremendous thus far. And so I thought, man, we better start building out the infrastructure. And so I really focused on building out the team, creating the right systems. And uh, now we have the right team in place and we're ready to start scaling this thing. So um, there's a, a lot of economic factors now that are driving these things as we touched on earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, where do you see the market in, in two years from now, three years from now, both the multifamily and the short term. Yeah, we could talk about real estate market and where we are for, for hours. Um, yeah, I talk about this all the time. So there's two main drivers right now. I'm very bullish on the next three years. And I'll tell you why. One, 40% or more of, the world, of, the, of our economy's currency has been printed in the last 18 to 24 months. All that money needs to find yield, and they're still printing money as we speak. Number two, and I think this might be the biggest driver, is the supply and demand metrics across of America right now. The baby boomers are living longer. They're not moving out of their homes. As they're not going into retirement homes as soon as they used to. They're not selling their homes. And then you got this millennial demographic, which are starting families and buying their first homes for the first time. And so now that's a creating a, a big tick up in demand. And then you have this demographic behind us, the as what is it, the, the Gen Z, they're even bigger than the millennials, and they're looking to move out of their parents' house for the first time. They're looking to rent apartments. And so whether it's single family, whether it's apartment units, whatever it is, there's just been a huge shortage. I mean, from 2008 to 2011, they didn't build much supply. And then 2020, there was a period during, you know, for nine months during the pandemic where they weren't building new supply. And so there's just a lot of pent up demand. And I, I, the reason I say the next three years look safe to me is because I think it's going to take a minimum of three years for them to build enough supply to meet the demand. And yes, there's some other factors that are going on right now with all the stuff in Ukraine and Russia. But let's be honest, if that escalates to something more than what it is today, um, the government is just going to, they're going to continue to lower interest rates and they're going to continue to print more money, which is going to bode well in the long term for real estate investors. Yeah, I, I think, um, and it's not because I'm, I'm in the business and I love the business, but I, I think in, in times of uncertainty, there is no better place to put your cash than into real estate. It, it, mm -hmm. it still just proves time and time again to be um, the safest uh, long-term option available. There, there's a lot of things that come and go, and, and certainly there's diversification, and I'm, I'm a fan of, of taking risk and, and trying different things, but man, it's hard to be good old-fashioned real estate at the end of the day. No, it, it really is, and I said this about 
a month ago before they started raising rates, but it was a, there was a lot of talk about the inflation. Is the Fed going to start raising rates? And I said this a month ago when rates were still relatively low. I said, two years from now, rates will be lower than they are today. And yes, they've gone up since, but I think they're going to be lower two years from now. Yeah, so there, there's a lot of, of things at play, geopolitical election cycles, yeah. right? There's a lot of things to keep an eye on. So look, none of us have crystal balls, but we all give it our our best shot to try and, and put ourselves and our clients in the best position. Uh, Rich, where is the, the best place for folks to find you? Yeah, so you can find me on social media, Instagram. My handle is at rich underscore summers. That's S-O-M-E-R-S. If you want to learn more about Fortune Cribs, you could check us out, fortunecribs.com. And uh, if you want to check out our podcast, it's The Multifamily Takeoff. And uh, if you want to learn more about the fund um, that we're going to be launching, that's pack3capital.com. As always, everybody out there, please stay safe. Rich, thanks so much for the time today. Of course, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, our pleasure.